Welcome to episode 32 of the Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Fountas, and today we have extra special guest, Kerry, at WWE SQD Circle Guy, to talk about some of his front row experiences of this last Sunday's crazy TLC pay-per-view, where all this goofy stuff happened with card changes and meningitis and mumps or whatever you want to say, all these crazy things that happened to the wrestlers that resulted in a ridiculous card change. Uh, also... I'm going to talk about a couple, some wrestling books I've read lately, so I just want to, if you're interested, give you some feedback on them and let you know if they're worth your time or not, and some of my favorite wrestling books of all time. Carrie will be joining us in a few minutes. Uh, until then, you could follow us on Twitter at PPW Podcast, Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, you can send us an email or an audio question or audio comment to ppwpodcast at gmail.com. And always support the show. Head over to whatamaneuver.net, pick up the I Never Complain Online t-shirt. And as a reminder, if you buy the t-shirt, you're able to come on the show or pick a topic. Uh, Pat Sheridan, uh, a few weeks ago, bought a shirt and just still waiting on scheduling with him for getting him on the show for his topic. I believe he picked uh, Greatest Wrestlers Who Were Never Champions. So you guys can pick a show topic if you want to and join the show if you wanted. Uh, Eric is not here this week. Just my schedule didn't work out and contacting him and sometimes I give him a last second request for a show. He gets mad at me. So just a quick solo show this week and also with Carrie coming out in a few minutes. I mentioned uh, what I want to talk about today was these books and <clears throat> what inspired me for that was the new Charlotte Flair slash Ric Flair book. It's called Second Nature, The Legacy of Ric Flair and the Rise of Charlotte Flair. And this book is literally split into two parts. It's a pretty interesting read. The first part of it is Ric Flair's retirement in 2008 up until basically now, until Charlotte joined uh, the WWE roster. And it's interesting because with Ric Flair's point of view, he talks a lot about how, you know, I was upset that I had to retire, but I realized I did. And he's super grateful about, everything that happened to him with the retirement stuff and all that. And I won't go into too many details because I want you guys to read the book. But he also talks about his decision why he left WWE to go to TNA. And he does regret that. And he wishes his last match was with Shawn Michaels because of the, the great send-off he got. He's also very, very candid about his son Reed who passed away and his drug problems. And he's also candid about his marriages and, and all that stuff. But... What's kind of interesting is you think, you know, Ric Flair and his ex-wife Beth, who he had his children, Charlotte, a.k.a. Ashley, and Reed with would be, I guess, tragic and always fighting and chaos. But 
the way Rick brings it in the book, and then when Charlotte jumps in in her point of it, at her point of the point of view, it's super happy and almost like a, a fantasy family with with all the awesome stuff they got to do. And especially when Charlotte comes in, her point of view of her family is is really interesting. Um, Rick talks. Rick gushes over his daughter a lot in the book because he always does in every interview, which which is understandable because it is his daughter. And Charlotte also is damn good. She's a really really good wrestler. Uh, borderline great, I'd say, at this point in her career, in this young point of her career. When it switches over to Charlotte's point of view, she pretty much starts out from when she's a little kid and her memories of growing up with Reed and her dad being larger than life and her and her mom and her dad throwing these crazy parties for her and Reed. And what's a little interesting, and I don't think it Charlotte means it to come off like this at all, but it comes off a little... Uh, when you're reading it, like, not snobby. I'm trying to think of the right word because she talks about these fancy parties they go to like it's nothing and these crazy dinners they would have and, and lobster and steak and flame and yawn and, and all this stuff and they weekly dinners. And, and this is when Rick was in WCW basically working TV, so she got to see her dad a lot. And she feels bad because her older brothers, uh, David and Megan, didn't get to see their dad as much as she did. But she had an awesome childhood growing up and her and her brother Reed, and she calls him reader a lot. We're best friends growing up. And it's just interesting to hear that perspective because I always just assumed her dad wasn't around too much and he's making up for it now and all that. The point when uh, Rick Flair's daughter, Ashley Charlotte and Rick hit a rough patch is when Rick divorces Beth for his now ex-wife, Tiffany. Eventually Charlotte forgives him all that stuff What's also interesting in this book is Charlotte's pretty candid. I had no idea about this, but she's had two divorces. She got married when she was young to a guy and named Ricky, and she talks in detail about an abusive relationship she was in. And that's pretty tough for a, a girl to admit, you know, that she stayed with someone for so long. And she talks about looking back, I know what I was thinking, but she just wanted to be with him. And talks about how she's kind of aimlessly wandering around, eventually divorces him, is a personal trainer, kind of the story we all know. And then at WrestleMania 28, when Ric Flair got inducted in the second time in the WWE Hall of Fame when he was with the Four Horsemen, this was in Miami, uh, John Laurinaitis basically asked her, well, why aren't you doing this? You know, you're athletic. And, and then her younger brother Reed's the one that convinces her to do it. Uh, and then she just goes from there and talks about her, her training and how much she loved it and how before she got there, her dad taught her pretty much the basics. Uh, talks about how Triple H told her, don't expect any special treatment. You know, you're going to, it's going to be harder for you because you are the, the daughter of Ric Flair, but just keep, keep pushing forward. And I remember when Ashley, I keep going, Ashley and Rick or Ashley and Charlotte, I go back and forth because she's referred to as both in the books. It's kind of confusing, but I remember when she first debuted on NXT, I was like, ah, she's, you could tell she's super new. And then all of a sudden she just flipped a switch and she was the, one of the best wrestlers in NXT. In NXT. Uh, it was that match with Natalia, if you guys haven't seen it, definitely check that out. It's on the network. It's for the the NXT Women's Championship after Paige had to vacate it for moving up to the main roster. Check that match out if you haven't seen it. It's an incredible match, uh, Charlotte versus Natalia. And then she just talks about you know her rise through the ranks and how she was friends with Sasha Banks and friends with Becky Lynch and Bailey. Talks about the four horsewomen thing. A little tidbit that's interesting she talks about is the all oh, rivalry she didn't expect to have with Charlotte or I'm sorry with Sasha behind the scenes where. She felt Sasha thought that Charlotte was only getting pushed 
and these opportunities because of who her dad was and kind of hurt Charlotte says that, you know, that hurt my feelings and there's more details in the book, but, and then it talks about her main roster debut and how she got paired with her dad and it ends with her match at WrestleMania 32, her versus Sasha Banks versus Becky Lynch for the first ever WWE Women's Championship. Well, I guess not first ever, but the first ever of this new uh, rendition of the WWE Women's Championship. It's a really good book, guys. Highly recommend checking it out. There's a lot of times wrestling books aren't great and they're boring and they're super not revealing. And I'd say, not, not talking about backstage stuff, but I feel like sometimes in wrestling books, guys will hold stuff back. Uh, and won't really show emotional sides or what they were actually thinking at the time. The gold standard, I'd say, for wrestling books is going to be Bret Hart's book. It's called My Real Life in the Cartoon World of Wrestling. And the reason it's so good is because throughout his career, Bret Hart kept a journal and kept notes throughout his whole career. So you're getting specific details about what happened and when. Um, There's time for Bret, in interviews, says, had... He feels like that he came off as bitter in the book when it ended. I didn't really think so. I just thought he came off as this is what I thought. Uh, but if you're a fan of Bret Hart and you're a fan of wrestling during his his prime years in the WWF, you know, 90 through 97, it's just great for all the stories he has. And he, he and the stories about when he won the title in 92 and how he lost to Yokozuna and Hogan ended up getting it and how Brett was supposed to face Hogan at SummerSlam and supposed to beat the Ultimate Warrior and, and be launched into the stratosphere and stuff like that. It's a really, really good book. And I really appreciate all the effort Brett put into his career and into his matches and how important it was to him to come across as professional and come across as safe and a good role model for kids and the Hitman character and how important it was for everybody. What is interesting is Brett, as much as he kind of pats himself on the back for being such a good wrestler and for being a, a role model to the guys in the locker room and things like that, he is pretty candid about his infidelity against his wife in various cities. He's not, he's not holding anything back. He's like, look, this happened, and I, I'm not a great guy for it. Um but he talks about all that. Obviously, he talks about the screw drop. Talks about everything in, in such detail. That is my gold standard recommendation for you guys if you haven't read that. The Bret Hart book, My Real Life in the Cartoon World of Wrestling. It's called Hitman. Definitely check that out. Another fun one is Eric Bischoff's book called Controversy Creates Cash. That one's not as detailed, I'd say, as Bret Hart's. But it's it's an interesting point of view of Eric Bischoff and what, what happened in WCW and how he came to power and what his thought process was during the whole one Monday Night War era. And I know you guys probably think you've heard everything before and documentaries and podcasts and stuff like that and his own podcast, and you probably have, but there's some nice little tidbits in there that I think you guys will find interesting about the Starcade 97 match and about Hogan and Sting and how Hogan was like, you know, what the hell, Sting doesn't even get a tan? Like, you've got a huge match here, he's not in shape, all that stuff. So it's, it's interesting little tidbits. He talks about what he thinks went wrong in WCW and how he's somewhat to blame and how the corporate heads above him were to blame. On the flip side of that, if you ever want to read something that'll make you laugh because there's so much stuff you forget about, check out The Death of WCW by Brian Alvarez. The 10th anniversary edition that came out has got a lot more stuff in it, so check that one out. It breaks down week by week what happened in WCW, and they've got this big rise 
And all, there's all these little seeds of doubt that keep getting planted throughout WCW, even on their rise. And it's stuff you forget about. But there's so much research put into this book that you remember, oh, this stupid thing happened and this stupid thing happened. And it was great. Like there would be a moment, for example, like Star K96, Hogan versus Piper. You know, awesome match. Piper wins. But WCW didn't really let everyone know that it wasn't for the title. They didn't tell them it was or wasn't. They just let people assume. And it was like, oh, that's kind of lame. Like the fans kind of remember that later down the line. Like, oh, this doesn't mean anything type of stuff. So check that one out. It's called The Death of WCW by Brian Alvarez. It's intensely detailed. Definitely, definitely check that out. I think... Those are my top ones for you guys to read if you're looking for a wrestling book. Chris Jericho's books, I have his new one now, um, which I haven't started yet. I just picked it up from the library. Uh, It's called, what is it? Success is a four-letter word, I think. How I Succeeded in Life but Failed in Spelling. His books are cool because there's... He's got, this is his fourth one out. He's got three ones out. The first one is his story of how he got WWE. Second story is how... He was in WWE. And then his third book is when he came back to WWE and his new stories and his after he left in 2006 when he came back in 2007. As long as story and, and as well as stories about his his band Fozzie and if you're into that kind of stuff, sometimes I kind of skimmed over that. I'm more or less interested in the wrestling portion of it. But it, it's interesting again because his is super detailed and you get his point of view on stuff and how he didn't realize he was rubbing people the wrong way and how his goal was always to get to WWE. Even when he was in WCW making a lot of money, he was frustrated and he wanted to get to WWE. Check his books out. Not like by top of the top if you have to read any book, but his are all of them are good. Check those all of Chris Jericho's books out. Again, my top one, Bret Hart, Hitman, Wrestling, not Wrestling with Channels, Hitman, My Real Life in the Cartoon World of Wrestling, uh, Eric Bischoff, Controversy Who Creates Cash, uh, Brian Alvarez, The Death of WCW. Those are going to be my top ones. If you're looking for a new one, the new Charlotte book with her dad, Ric Flair, Second Nature. It's called The Legacy of Ric Flair and the Rise of Charlotte. Check that one out as well. All right, guys. So now we're going to kick it over to our interview with our buddy, Kerry, uh, at WWESQD Circle Guy on Twitter. And he's at Collar X Elbow Guy on Instagram, I believe. Let me confirm that before I... Uh, Tell you his the wrong Instagram name. Yep, collar x elbow guy. Carry on Twitter on Instagram. Uh, you can check out collar elbow brand on Twitter and Instagram too. They support independent wrestling. And if you use the promo code uh, carry, you get ten percent off of your purchase there. So check that out. Uh, so here we go. We're gonna go to carry with his front row debut uh, or not debut his front row experience at WWE TLC. All right, we got carry on the line. Carry, how's it going? Doing well. How are you? Doing good. So, uh, like I mentioned earlier, Kerry was at TLC la- or Sunday now, and he also made a little bit of a decision and went to Raw, which ended up, at, as the show turned out, being a pretty damn good decision considering what happened. Uh, but before we get to that, so with TLC, when did you realize or when did you hear the news that the card got like flipped upside down? Uh, probably as soon as the, the news came out, because a couple of us other uh, front row regulars, they started messaging me. My phone blew up. We have a group text message going uh-huh. on. And first, first I thought maybe someone hacked WWE's Twitter account. But then when once it was on the WWE.com website, I, 
okay, this is legit. Yeah, I mean, when I saw like the Kurt Angle stuff on Twitter, I'm like, this can't be real. And then like, exactly. And then Reddit had it. I'm like, this. Can't. And then all of a sudden, I was like, holy shit. And then all of a, and then there's that. And then there's oh, and we get Finn Balor and AJ Styles. So yeah, that part was much more believable than the Kurt Angle part. Mm. Yeah. So what did you think? I mean, were you? I guess. For me, I was actually a little disappointed we didn't get the Shield match. Obviously, I'm okay with it because it was Kurt Angle. So what were your thoughts? Were you like, okay, this is a better card now, or were you? Were, it was the same? What did you think? Oh, I was actually pretty overall excited. Um, I, I was, I was I, I, like you. I mean, I would have mind, wouldn't, wouldn't have minded seeing the Shield, but it was cool seeing Angle back and see how he would have done in the ring, how his body would have held up. But, I, I, but I'm super, I was super pumped for AJ and Finn. Yeah, I thought the, the AJ-Finn match, considering it was the first time they've wrestled, uh, it was pretty damn good. You know, normally they have house shows to work stuff out and things like that, but they've obviously known each other a long time. It was a pretty awesome match. Let's kind of run down the card a little bit, because you were there throughout the show. For me, this was a WWE show that didn't drag. You know, there's been sometimes pay-per-views that drag a little bit. On TV, okay. it didn't drag. What do you think being there? It didn't drag at all, and I've been to pay-per-views in person where it dragged, and this didn't drag. I thought the timing, you know, everything was well-paced. So, um, And the crowd overall was into it, honestly, but for, the, for the most part, for most of the matches. Yeah, I think everyone was kind of knowing in the back of their head we get to see Angle at the end of the night, maybe mm -hmm. kind of pushed him a little bit. So yeah. there was the big two matches. Was there any surprise match for you? Like I thought like it was better than you thought it would be? Um. You know, I was surprised in a way how long Alicia and Sasha got. I mean, I was happy. I thought they overall worked well together. I wasn't sure how it would turn out. Mm -hmm. What um, about that one? What about the Oscar, the Oscar and the Emma match? Uh, overall, I thought overall well done. I thought they might have had Oscar look a little bit stronger, but overall she came off looking great. And they're trying to make her, you know, a big star from what I could tell. So they're trying to make a big deal out of her, which I think is great, and and they should. Sure, sure. I think she's the best probably girl wrestler in the company right now. Oh God, yeah. Hmm. Now I'm sorry, I cut you off. You said the the tag, the three way or the tag the, match? The, the cruiserweight tag match, you know, had was better than I thought, and it had more crowd. The crowd was into it more than I've seen a lot of cruiserweight matches on pay per views or Raws or the 205 Lives. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, now I thought also the Mickey James Alexa match that might have been Alexa Bliss's best in ring match. I thought she's had so far. Oh, I agree. I mean, she sat under the Mickey James uh, learning tree and learned well. So I mean. And then her promo last night was even better. I'm like, she, she's got it. She definitely has it. Yeah, and I don't know how it came across on being there, but when I was watching on TV, it seemed like the crowd was really into that match, and they were almost buying, hey, maybe Mickey's going to do this, and, and they're going to swerve us here and give her the, the title. Was that ever a, a vibe in the arena? Uh, a little bit. I mean, a few people sitting around me thought they might actually give Mickey the belt one more, maybe a short run until Survivor Series or the Rumble. Yeah. All right, let's get to the, the Finn Balor-AJ Styles match. So you heard the news on Thursday or whenever it was like everyone else did. Was this one of your biggest surprise, I guess, pleasant surprises you ever had being at a live show? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's those two have magic. The fact that you know, you know they've got something they know they're doing. If they've never worked together before and put on a great match. And I don't, you know, I don't know who, what, all, what the thoughts of the people are who run the stuff in the back, but if you can't tell... That crowd was into it from the moment they stepped in the ring. Eight of them, those two are mega stars. And whoever the and if there's a certain decision maker that can't see that, uh, they, then they need to go home. Yeah, I mean, I, well, I think with maybe more with Finn than AJ because AJ's for the past two years he's been he's been the champion. He's in main event matches, all that stuff. But Finn's kind of been floating a little bit, and this might have been one of the better things to happen to him. You know, getting pulled from that that Bray Wyatt storyline into this. 
I think is going to hopefully help Finn, although what happened on Raw was a little confusing with him where he lost to Kane. But uh, what with the finish of the match, uh, Finn ended up winning. What, what was what did you think when this was going on? Because I had no idea who was going to win because there was no real build for it. What was the thought for you guys sitting in front row? Like, all right, we think this guy's going to win or we think Finn's going to win. Who would you guys think? There was it was mostly just we hope this doesn't end in a like a double count out. They're both knocked out or a run in finish. We went we were hoping just for a clean finish. For us, we didn't as long as it was good and it made sense. You know, it didn't matter. You know, we weren't sure what would, would there be a where uh, uh, Gallows and Andrews going to come down and start something. Yeah. You know, or is there going to be a run in where they both get disqualified and then a finish like that? That's when we didn't, that would have pissed off the crowd. Was it was the crowd there pretty full? Did it seem like in the arena? It was pretty full. Only there's um, I would say one up in the upper deck, one and a half, two sections tarped off um, near the stage, and a couple of rows. I say probably a couple of rows in the very far back top corner that were empty. Yeah, but other than that, it's pretty pretty packed. Because obviously they don't show everything, but on the cameras it looked like pretty much all the seats were filled and things like that. No, no empty sections or anything like that. No, not that I could. No, outside of the couple of ones being one, one and a half, one and a half, two being tarped off up top near the stage on the hard camp side. Well, being so close to it, what about like the finish of that match? Because on TV, the you know Balor hitting the coup de gras, it looked like he went like didn't pull up at all. Like I don't, I don't know no, you he, could tell he, on it. He he went full blown on that one. But <laughs> some even said AJ said do it. I don't you know work stiff. You know maybe that's his style. Maybe he asked for it. Maybe, but it, it was awesome. I liked it a lot, and it was a, a super pleasant surprise for for fans to watch. And uh, I think even Dave Meltzer, who sometimes is pretty critical of WWE, said on Twitter, he's like WWE deserves a lot of credit for for doing all this for their fans, sending Triple H to China or to to South America and bringing AJ up and having this match because they could have just thrown in you know, like the drifter or, or Jason Jordan or something, but they really went above and beyond for their fans, which I thought was pretty cool. Exactly. Yeah. A little unpredictable. And you know, sometimes we just need to sit back and appreciate that and not complain so much. <laughs> that, that's for sure. That's for sure. Now the main event, I'm curious how, because it was such a, a cluster of so many things happened, especially mm-hmm. near the end when they went to the stage, was it hard for you guys to see being ringside, what was going on up front or was it spread out that's, enough where you could see? That- that's why I think it started killing the crowds. They just spent way too much time over the stage, and we kind of couldn't tell what was going on. And that's just why my, one of my big frustrations that I've, I've noticed that seems the past couple of years or so is they don't put the action on the Titantron anymore, and I don't get that. So yeah. the Titantron thing's really annoying when you're there, but on TV it's a much better visual, so I can see why they do it. Oh, oh yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I get that. But especially for the for Raw, since it's a much smaller screen versus what it used to be, mm-hmm. especially just for those moments, you need to – I mean – you know, especially, I mean, I don't know. Maybe people in, in different parts of the arena, in the lower and upper de- level, they may have a hard, had a hard time seeing too. They had the, the, you know, the score box, whatever you call it, yeah. those screens on. But I mean, uh, you know, if you're paying all that money and you as part of the match, you can't see because they can't put it on Titantron. To me, it's like you could at least done that for that portion. I mean, I definitely get it. Definitely looks like a much better visual. Uh huh. But show that, you know, for that part. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I get it because I you could kind of tell the crowd was it because it was pretty chaotic and I think the crowd would have been going more nuts if they could see like when, you know, Strowman's going through tables and, and throwing in a dump yeah. truck and all that stuff, but you can't oh, see yeah. it. Well, that's a, and then people are trying to chant, this is boring too because, I mean, you spent so much time there and you couldn't see. It's like, what's going on? We couldn't tell. Well, You, you know, I, I had no idea Kane at, that uh, Braun accidentally hit Kane mm-hmm. open on the stage and that's when he got choke slammed through the table and the chairs pulled down from the stage i mean i didn't know what happened you well, couldn't see it maybe next time just pull out your phone and watch the network or something <laughs> so you can see what's I'm, going on yeah i might do that 
the the boring part kind of ended pretty much when Angle came back, and that's when the crowd's like, "All right, this is the Angle we love." We's hitting Angle slams and German suplexes and all that stuff. Does that seem to kick the crowd right back up? Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. And I've noticed. I mean, I'm I was hesitant. I mean, I'm, I was hesitant. That I thought I brought, they brought Kurt back because I seen how he, he moves in real life, and I'm just thinking, ugh. So you notice he didn't take a whole lot of bumps, and when he did, I think it's when he had the vest on, which might have been a little extra padded yeah. just to protect the spine and the neck. Because, I mean, the way he moves and the facial expressions and everything, you can kind of tell. It's like him in a good quality, high-impact one-on-one match, you know, maybe, you know, I don't know. Maybe uh, him and Daniel Bryan can have a match, and they could both work super safe with each other. That'd be fun. If they could, if they don't mind working that style and the fans won't shit on it, you know, more of a Matt wrestling style, mm-hmm. then I think, they, then you know, honestly, they might be able to have a go at it. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe for WrestleMania this year, maybe they'll do something crazy for that. So the big finish happens, the triple power bomb, the crowd's into it and they love it. And I thought, okay, cool, this is gonna kind of be a one-off thing, and that's the end of it. And it seems like maybe it will be, but then on Raw, we get one of the crazier angles we've seen since maybe the Nexus invasion with, mm-hmm. with SmackDown. So let's we're gonna skip to the end a little bit with with the Raw thing and and what did you think? So you're sitting there, you're ringside. No, I, no, I wasn't there. I, yeah, no, I wasn't there. I'm, I'm going tonight. All right, you're at SmackDown. So so be, with um the craziness with going on with what happened on Raw, what do you think? Like when you're watching this, what did you think with this crazy SmackDown invasion? I thought it was great. I mean, it's, it's done a little differently than what you thought, honestly. And so, I, I mean, I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. It kind of gave good, a good hype and build towards Survivor Series. And even towards SmackDown tonight. Like, I want to see what's going to happen. Is, are, is SmackDown and Raw going to have a little more, like, thing going on? Yeah, How are they going to respond? Yeah, Raw going to retaliate. So I'm excited to see what happens tonight, too. Yeah, it'll be fun up in Milwaukee there. Now, with the the TLC ending, and we're building up to Survivor Series, Normally, WWE gets criticized sometimes for having the pay-per-view set up other pay-per-views. But mm-hmm. in this case, it kind of worked because they used TLC and Raw to set up Survivor Series, which you're going to. You're, you're doing the whole package weekend for Survivor Series, right? Oh, yeah. Everything, I'll be there for War Games, Survivor Series, and Raw. I'm not doing the SmackDown. Are you sitting – you're sitting ringside for NXT for the War Games? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's oh, going to yeah, be, be interesting to see. It's going to be tough to see with two giant cages in front of you. Which ring are you in front of? Do you know? Um, I, I do know, I honestly, I do know, uh, I'm trying to make a decision which ring I want to be in front of. That gives you an idea. <laughs> okay. I, I'm, I'm, de- I'm debating, I'm debating how they're going to set up because we don't, you know, you don't know how it's going to be set up or, you know, especially, you know, like in WCW and NBA days, the pre-matches, they had alternate between ring one and ring two, if I recall correctly. Right. And so I don't, but I don't know if they're going to do that this time, or maybe they might use just ring one for all the regular matches or ring two, or if they're going to alternate. So it's, it's a tough decision. Either way, it's a lot of fun. And Oh, God, yeah. It's the one match I thought I'd never get to see live, and I finally get to see it live in person. Yeah, because you bought, the, you got like your travel package, or you decided you were going before War Games was announced, right? Yeah, they sold the packages last year in December. Okay. Uh, we could, we'll talk more, you know, when you're after Survivor Series, we'll talk more about that, but... Speaking of travel package, did you see they just – I'm sure you saw they announced the travel packages for WrestleMania this year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Are you going to do the private jet? No, that that, make, that <laughs> makes no sense to me because it's only a two-night thing. I mean, I want tickets to all the events, so, not just a thing. And I, I hate flying. I, I Obviously, I fly to travel, but I hate it. So I'm going to get on a, pl- on a, on a small plane – uh-huh. That's going to feel the turbulence and the bounces more. It means I'm going, to, I'm going to drink more and pass out, and the wrestlers are on the plane. That's not fun for me. So for those who don't know who haven't seen this yet, so WWE announced their travel packages for WrestleMania this year, and it's pretty standard, except they announced one thing called once-in-a-lifetime package, where you have to fly to New York 
and then you on a private plane fly with other wrestlers to WrestleMania. But it's only for two events. It's for two exactly, days. Two it's not and the whole deal. Well, exactly. And it's only you only is only one time it leaves on Saturday, one time it leaves on Monday. So either you make those or you lose out. And it's well, superstars are legends. So you're talking about they might have, you know, it might be Howard Finkel and Sergeant Slaughter, it could be Bob Backlund and Tatanka or uh-huh. Teddy DC. I mean don't expect anyone big to be on it because, I mean, with that being Saturday, the big names are going to be already in New Orleans um, preparing for what they got to do for yeah. whether it be NXT for that night or for Mania on Sunday. It's also like nine grand just for those two nights. It's $9, $9, $9, $9, $9, $9, $9, $9, $9, $9, $9, $9, $9, $9, $9, $9, $9, $9, $9, $9, $9, $9, $9, $9, $9, $9, $9, $9, $9, $9, $9, $9, $9, $
All right, man. Well, uh, we'll wrap up here. You can follow Kerry on Twitter at WWSQDCircleGuy, on Instagram at CollarXElbowGuy, and you got a promo code for Collar Elbow, right? Oh, uh, yes. CollarAndElbowBrand.com. Use promo code Kerry. Save 10% on your order. Yep. They're just uh, a clothing brand, clothing company. Support They support independent wrestlers. There's a there's the classic oh. Chicago flag style one you're always rocking. There's a PWI parody one that I like, so check those guys out. They support wrestlers and it's uh, Al Snow's company, so check them out. Uh, so have a safe drive up to uh, Milwaukee today. When are you leaving? Uh, probably in about a little less than an hour. All right, man. Well, have fun. We will look for you tonight on there. And uh, anything else you want to plug or shut up before we wrap up? Mm, I think they got off the top of my head. So yep. look forward to this next month after Survivor Series or before if you want either way or both. Well, we'll probably do after because there's going to be a ton to talk about. <laughs> there's so much oh, stuff going oh, on yeah. after that. Especially with the war games and stuff, definitely. It's going to be – It's we've got mini WrestleMania with SummerSlam, and it's almost mini SummerSlam now with Survivor Series. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad they're trying to finally build that back up to a true big four pay-per-view again. It's going to take a while. Me too. Last year they had the big, you know, the Goldberg Brock and the huge hour long tag match the year before. They had or two years before they had Sting come back. So they're they're doing a lot with it. I like it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Hopefully maybe one day War Games will be part of a Survivor Series staple. Yep. All right, we'll see how it goes. Uh have a safe trip. We'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Thanks again, Kerry, for coming on the show. As always, remember have follow him on Twitter at WWE SQD Circle Guy. Instagram, collar X elbow guy, and head to collar and elbow. Use the promo code Kerry, K-E-R-R-Y, for 10% off any purchase you guys have. That's going to be the show for this week. Uh, thanks for Kerry for coming on. It was a quicker show this week, again, because of kind of timing and everything. Uh, next week, we'll have a full crazy show with tons of stuff to talk about. Uh, Kerry mentioned how much fun he had with the AJ Styles-Finn Balor match. I liked that match a lot. I was super pumped we got to see it. That was always kind of a dream match we hope we would see, so we got to see it. It was awesome. Uh, we we're going to have Kerry back in a month or so after Survivor Series and NXT, and he will be telling us his front row stories, any beat and greet stuff he's had, all that. Uh, and again, I mentioned talking to Kerry. Definitely, if you guys can, head to New Orleans for WrestleMania this year. Even if you get crappy seats for WrestleMania, just the cheap seats, it's awesome to go for that weekend. There's wrestling fans literally everywhere you look. They take over the town. It's walking distance. There's drinks. There's people to meet. There's people watching. There's WrestleCon. There's the Superstore. You can just go in and browse looking at every type of wrestling WWF merch you can think of. It's it's a fun, fun time. I'm going to try to make it out there this year after taking last year off. Check that out. Uh, I think I'm going to wrap up this week. Yeah, I think that's going to be it. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter, as always, at ppwpodcast. Email us or send an audio question or comment to ppwpodcast at gmail.com. I would really appreciate more of those. We had one a few weeks ago. Those are a lot of fun to play. I always love interacting with everyone on Twitter. Uh, what else do we got? Oh, yeah, whatamaneuver.net. Head over and pick up that I Never Complain Online t-shirt for the Positive Pro Wrestling Podcast and support the show. That is going to be it for guys. We, <laughs> I'm going to try this again. That will be it for this week, everybody. We will see you next week.